That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. What's up, listeners? Alex here, back for a midweek edition of the Ghost Goal Podcast. Here with Javier. Andrew is off tonight. Uh, we've got a good amount of midweek games to uh, discuss the results and then a very stacked 4th of July weekend. Javier, happy Independence Day. Happy uh, 4th of July. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Happy 4th of July to you, too. You're an honorary American now. You know, we can, uh, we can put you there. Captain yeah, yeah. America playing yeah. against Watford on, the, on the 4th president. of July. I feel a brace coming. Maybe another hat trick. What? It's, uh, it's an exciting Captain weekend. Ca- Captain nah, Pulisic. Captain he's America gonna himself. He's going to a bunch of fucking chances like usual. He's a trap. Don't get him in fantasy, guys. He's I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, like I said, we've got a we've got a lot to talk about. So let's uh, just discuss a couple of the midweek games that happened this week in the Premier League. Of course, uh, last weekend was kind of taken up by FA Cup fixtures. So the vast majority of the uh, the good-looking fixtures in the Premier League were saved for midweek. Uh, starting on Tuesday, Manchester United went to Brighton and won 3-0. A uh, very decisive result. Dang, it, 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 it's a little disheartening because, like, I feel like I don't think so. I feel like the game kind of made sense. Like, three 0 makes it look worse than it probably actually was. But the uh, the first goal was just a well taken chance by uh, Mason Greenwood, the young eighteen year old. Okay, but like the team that you've been touting so highly, Wolves, drew with them. They were able to beat us. Like they've been really hard to break down this year, and. For Man United, just kind of sweep them away 3-0 away. Yeah, but the game, the way the game played out, what I'm saying is that it was perfectly set for United to win it, like 3-0. And again, it's a good result, for sure, from, like, United haven't, they've been beaten at Brighton each of the last two seasons. You've been been touting your Wolves, saying you're not scared of United, but while Pogba and um, Bruno have been United have played well, but you just know the hiccup is coming, like... You know it's coming. Like he just came for Chelsea. We'll get to and that. Conceded zero while Pogba and Bruno have been on the field so far. Okay, fine. Well, I mean, it's pr- Pogba it's pretty is good. probably going to pick up an injury or have a bad performance soon. Like something's going to happen. Like Pogba I'm just, hasn't even been doing anything. He hasn't been getting goals or assists. You know he's going to blow up in one of these games and get like a couple of goals. He set up Bruno for the assist. assist against. Uh, he set Bruno up against uh, Brighton. Okay. But, so what I'm saying is that the way the game panned out, they obviously got the first goal, a very well-taken chance by Greenwood, but Matt Ryan was very soft at his near post for that uh, first goal. The second goal is a deflected shot by Bruno from just outside of the box that just sneaks past Ryan, like kind of unlucky to go to 2-0. The game's gone by then, and then as Brighton are pushing forward to try and get some sort of chance of getting back into the game, United just hit them with a brilliant counterattack, and Greenwood plays that just beautiful lofted ball to the back post for Fernandez to finish off. So it looks, it's a, it's a good win. I will give United credit. It's a good win, but the game played out. I think exactly how they like for uh, these games to play out, get a somewhat early goal, uh, get yourself sat back a little bit, absorb some pressure. Once you get the second, just fully commit to that counterattacking style and see how many you can pile on after that. So 
how we'll good see is Mason Greenwood? Because he, he's so good. This he should be playing the majority of these United, games. Right? He yeah. should be playing ahead of Dan James, Daniel James, the Welsh winger they signed and has been getting a lot of time on that right wing. They should be playing him every week if he's fit and healthy. He's he's so uh, clinical and he makes such good contact with the ball. He looks so and, polished for an eighteen year old. I mean, he he's right. He he like he has the pace of Rashford, and I feel like he has the skill of of like a twenty two or a twenty three year old. And he seems to be really mature and level headed too. Like he never seems to lose his head or or go into rash tackles or anything crazy like that. So I don't know. I I I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, the player that he reminded me most of when I first saw him, uh, I guess, come off the bench for United last season was Robin Van Persie. And he's, yeah, he's probably he's a little bit quicker. Right. And, he's two-footed, yeah. too. Like, he can shoot with his right or his left. I don't know. He's a scary player. It's... Uh I think they they've got they've got quite a talent in him and Rashford and Martial. Those are they're all relatively young, and that's going to be a really good front line. Daniel James too. That, that, that that's a lot of lot of firepower to be having in these next couple of years. And I think this is both Rashford and Martial's most productive season for Man United so far. Both sitting on fourteen goals. Um, both have picked up uh, you know at least five or six assists. Uh, definitely good signs for Man United in the future. I think they just need to build on that back line. Um, add add a little bit more steel to that midfield, and I think you could see them definitely uh, up there next season. I think the, well, probably the next season is their, is their coach. Like tactically, well, if, you're, if you're looking at their schedule coming up next, they have uh, Bournemouth coming up uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Bournemouth are in a terrible run of form and are probably one of the favorites to get relegated. So I think they're going down. They have they have a really hard last yeah. six games. So doesn't look good for Eddie Howe and uh, Bournemouth, who looked like they were doing so well to stay in the league the last uh, couple of years and had kind of established themselves. Uh, but let's move on real quickly to just uh, Arsenal's biggest result. Do we want to say like Arsenal's biggest beatdown yeah, I mean, of the season tied. so far? I think we we had another four nil earlier in the season under Arteta. But yeah, it's it's. Tied for our second biggest result this year, and we haven't had many of these. It's been nice to get a couple I should clean say sheets that in a row. Arsenal beat Norwich four nil at home. Uh, two goals from Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Two two gifts to Aubameyang. Right. Was it his birthday got, recently? What, it was, what happened? It was, it was his birthday recently, actually. Yeah. Okay. He so Norwich Daniel so. Farka <laughs> told his players <laughs> yeah. gift Aubameyang a couple of goals, and uh, yeah, we're getting it, it relegated. It's been four anyway. games since him not scoring, so I think they they felt bad for him. Uh, I think the the only really thing that I'll take from this game is um, Kieran Tierney's still a beast. Love him. Um, he's been our best player so far since the restart, and he's actually looked really good. Um, we, we've got a lot got, to talk about with Arsenal, though, when, once we get to this yeah, Wolves game coming Wolves up this game, weekend. There, there isn't so, too much in the Norwich game. Norwich were pretty shit. They were never really in it. It's the first game this season that we've dominated from start to finish and never looked like we were going to ever lose control of this game. But I'm not taking too much from it just because it is the team that's pretty much relegated now so so the uh the kind of quietly biggest game of the midweek was everton against leicester which we we've been talking about how leicester have not really been able to get up and running so far since the restart they went to goodison park and lost uh 2-1 they went down 2-0 in the first half after a uh well-worked goal to set up for charleston and then a penalty from a kind of blatant handball with like a player like marking a, a free kick into the box and he just left his hand up in the air and then when someone else when an Everton player was going to head it the Leicester defender's arm just ricocheted with the ball and it was 2-0 at halftime and Leicester kind of worked their way back into it but uh, they couldn't get the job done and 
we've talked about Leicester dropping off in recent weeks and kind of struggling, but we haven't talked about the reasons why that's happening. I think the most glaring issues you can look at are the, is that right back spot with uh, Pereira, who is going to be missing the rest of uh, the season. I don't think he's played since the restart, but he picked up some kind of injury before uh, the season kicked back up again. That's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. I think we might have undervalued how important he was to them in terms of their balance between those two fullbacks. You know, Chilwell likes to get forward, Pereira likes to get forward, but they both have the work rate to do both sides of the game effectively. And when you take one of them out of the equation, similarly to Liverpool, when you see Liverpool get Robertson or uh, Alexander-Arnold taken out of the lineup, the kind of balance of uh, their wing play kind of goes out the window a little bit and they have to get a, a bit more creative. So... I think that combined with Vardy just having his goals completely dried up is the main reason Leicester just don't look anything close to what they did in the first half of the season. Like they had they had an absolutely amazing run to start this season. Like and the only reason we're not we don't talk about it more is cuz Liverpool didn't lose or didn't drop points for <laughs> for weeks on end. So uh, I I think it's probably like a kind of understandable like return to the mean, but we might have we kind of might have underestimated how important uh, Ricardo Pereira was to like the the whole attacking and energetic side of Brendan Rodgers' game, and it doesn't get any easier for them because they've got Crystal Palace this weekend. Who they have you know, a really they have a pretty hard schedule to end the season. So, I mean, yeah. if they if they lose like three or four of these last games, they they could fall out of top four. I mean, um, and it looks like I'm that almost might favoring that at this yeah. point, just yeah, with how well been... Wolves and United and. I mean, I know Chelsea just dropped points. We'll get to that in a second. But like Chelsea had been winning games and, and beat Leicester head to head on the weekend. So I, I, I was I, I, watching that loss that uh, Leicester had against Chelsea on the weekend made me think like, wow, they really had us by the balls and they let us win. And I feel a little bit lucky, but also they choked it away and they didn't deserve to win. So we've seen that continue here with Leicester and uh they're, they're looking like the ones that are uh, kind of most worried about dropping out of top four right now. If they um, if they don't get three points against Palace um, at this Saturday at 10 a.m., then I'm going to be really worried because I think Palace, they're they're safe. They really don't have much to play for. They're, they've kind of looked kind of shitty since the restart. They haven't been. They had that one win the first day, but um, that was kind of like to secure their safety, and I feel like now they don't have anything to play for, so... This is going to be the the game for Leicester to to you know I I, I feel like they got to win this like three one come out and 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 put out a really good performance to shut everyone up and 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 just you know claim their stake to, to Champions League next year um, and I think it would be a huge uh, blunder if they don't make Champions League next year after like you know after you've talked about that amazing start that they had so um, especially and, and when I, you consider their main their main their main issue in the upcoming years is going to be how do they keep this team together. You know, getting Champions League is a huge factor in keeping this team together. Now, if it, or if they drop out and they're in Europa League, maybe the players are still invested in the project, but maybe someone like Yuri Tielemans or James Madison or I don't know, Chilwell is there's a lot of rumors about him being tempted to leave. Uh, those players, if there's no Champions League and a club that is going to be competing in that competition comes around and offering them a pay rise as well, that becomes a hard thing to turn down. So, 
Leicester really need to get it going. And the Crystal Palace is it's a tough game. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but it, it's a winnable game for them for sure. And uh, speaking of winnable games, Chelsea missed the chance to lock up a very winnable game when they lost 3-2 against West Ham uh, on Wednesday evening. Uh, West Ham, I don't have their exact record up in front of me, but I cannot they remember the last like time. Four or West- five. They, they should have easily like dicked you down. That Vargol was that they disallowed was bullshit. They they should have had more goals. I mean, we, we probably should have had more goals too. But the only yeah, the I only know. players the only players that really showed up for us were Pulisic and Willian. Other than that, the rest of the team and Golo and Golo of course and Golo always shows up. Your defenders like I thought Rudiger and Christensen were. I expected more from them. Like you could Christensen actually you could create a very detailed compilation video of every single goal and. Each player on the back line made multiple mistakes, like at least two mistakes over the course of the three goals that were conceded. You know, Aspilicueta is being just was just consistently dominated by Suchek on those uh, two corners. The one that got uh, ruled offside by VAR, and then the one that he ended up scoring at the end of the first half. It's it's a bad matchup, and it's just it can't happen. And then uh, Rudiger and Christensen had multiple mistakes on the second thir- and third goals that you know are just completely you know like there's no excuse for those. Uh, but a, a part of me is thinking that there has to be some sort of fifty fifty distribution between the defenders themselves and Frank Lampard's management of them because. I really thought the FA Cup last weekend was a chance to give certain first team players like a good rest after two very intense games to start. But instead, the vast majority of them played uh, at least a half, if not 90 minutes in all four games so far. And you could see it like Rudiger gets absolutely burned by Yarmolenko for the winner. He's played all four games. (laughs) Yarmolenko came on 10 minutes before up the field in that last goal. Because we were going for the winner. We were we didn't want the draw. And then, I mean, you another big part of that. The draw at that point, Sorry, I, I, like. I know I just talked about uh, the center backs and the right back, but then Marcus Alonso is playing left wing like he's waiting for a corner to be given. Like he's so far up the field that he has, no, he's not even thinking about Yarmolenko getting in behind him into that space. It's, it's, it's inexcusable, uh, but it happened. We've lost both our games to West Ham this year, and I don't think any other team in the division has been swept by West Ham this season. They've been that bad. So that's uh, it's something we it's have okay. to be Brighton alert about. Brighton did the double over us. So. Right, yeah. That's, pretty that's bad not, too. not good either. It's, pretty bad. it's something we have to be aware of going into this Watford game because it's pretty much the same type of challenge with the same quality of opposition. So we've got to be really careful. Uh, did you watch that game? Did you have any uh, thoughts about us dropping points so dramatically uh i mean not too much i mean this has just kind of been chelsea this year um i feel like you guys have been jackal and hide a lot and it's usually you guys seem to do really well against some of the good teams and against some of the teams that are struggling like watford or bournemouth or uh you know now west ham you guys have just crap shit the bed and i, I i'm ki- i kind of expect it from chelsea now i don't you know you guys did have that one run at the beginning of the season where you won you know five or six games in a row but it was I like think seven now, oh was it okay um but i think i yeah. think and that's not including then, champions been, league we been, won like a bunch of champions league games too um it's been on and off you guys winning and losing so uh you know i don't think you guys are gonna, i remember saying to you last week in the pod when you were like yeah we're gonna win five of these last seven games like uh, i didn't think that was gonna happen so i think to uh, be fair if, i was 
we were coming off of five, like five uh, unbeaten in the Premier League, going back to like two or three games Great. before the, we the break. We, we didn't lose a game in in, in twenty twenty. So no, but I'm saying we had we had like four wins and one draw against Bournemouth in that time, which wasn't a good draw. But we had beaten, uh, you know, Manchester City and Tottenham in that time. So I was thinking West Ham, literally West Ham. I cannot even remember the last time they were ahead in a game. It was, it was so crazy to me that we even conceded that goal that eventually got chalked off by VAR. And honestly, I, I really do believe in Tammy Abraham as a center forward. But a part of me is thinking I wasn't seeing this bad of set piece defending when Olivier Giroud was in the mix back there be, with his organizational skills, which I know seems crazy for a center forward. But Didier Drogba used to have a similar impact back when he was in his prime. A center forward that can come back and add another big six foot four, six foot five body that's experienced and can read where the ball is going to go is going to be a huge asset to you. So Tammy has, I think he was on the line for the, the first West Ham goal and he should have cleared it, but he messes up the clearance and ends up falling on his ass. I want to see him succeed at Chelsea, but I think just think Champions League is so important that if we're going to be playing these games against teams in a low block consistently, maybe just commit to the Olivier Giroud experience. Maybe just commit to his, his uh, you know, his experience and uh, ability to not only score the winner like he did against Villa, but hold the ball up, come back and help you out defensively. And he, he, you, you know better than anyone, Javier. He's great against uh, terrible teams, you know? Yeah, he would have been perfect for that game. I really think he loves playing against West Ham. He's, he's dicked them down in the past. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's Frank, jump to... Frank, Frank got the selection wrong, I think, in this game. And yeah, like you said, I, I think it's his management. He's still inexperienced. Um, I think you can still see that. And um, I think that's one thing that I... I I'd love to see him improve on his, you know, his picking his teams in the future. And, but you know, we'll uh, what, we'll talk a little he, bit more about Chelsea later. What he and Arteta have been good at, though, I'll just say to close, is that they, as former players, have been very good at fixing their mistakes with these extra subs uh, because they played the game and they know what places they need to pick up on and they're they're better at reading the situation of a game because they played in the very middle of the park in every single game throughout their career so I, I've seen Frank do a really good job with the substitutions maybe not necessarily for the uh, the West Ham game but in all the games before that he did very well so let's move on to a I can't believe I didn't highlight this one because we definitely need to talk about it the Sheffield uh, 3-1 win against Tottenham earlier today around 1 p.m. uh very controversial decision in the first half just after Sheffield went up 1-0. Tottenham came back literally a minute or two later and Harry Kane scored a kind of chippy 12 equalizer. 12 seconds, 12 yeah. Seconds it was later. it was yeah. immediately it was off after. Of the kickoff, right. <laughs> uh, and the goal is overturned by VAR because it hit uh, Lucas Moore's hand uh, and fell into Harry Kane's feet, which by the letter of the law should be overturned, but when you look at it, he is literally fouled to the ground, and that's the reason that the ball hits his arm. Listen, so it's, I don't. It's unfair. I thought it, but I thought it was very a goal, Spursy. But, uh, fuck Tottenham. So uh, you know, you'll, you'll find no uh, love lost here. <laughs> I think this was a, a huge win for Sheffield. I think it still leaves them as outside contenders for that top six. Um, I feel like they had been sliding. They'd had a draw and two losses in the league. They'd lost in the FA Cup. Um, so they'd had, I think, three losses in a row, and they really, really needed this result, scoring three goals in a game. I mean, they pretty much did away with Tottenham pretty easily in that second half. I mean, Tottenham had the ball, but they didn't have a ton of chances, and 
<laughs> the way the Sheffield scored their goals, it was they've been doing that all year. Their center backs and their wing backs getting to the line, cutting it back, and just tapping the ball into the net. And you know they got their game plan going again. And and it's I don't think that the Sheffield are back, but I think that this will give them a lot of confidence. Um, I think that they will still be hard to beat till from now until the end of the season. And I think it just shows for Tottenham that they're not you know they're not making top six this year. Um, yeah, they they're pretty, have one they're pretty win much in their last five, and they have not been um, impressed. I haven't. They haven't been impressive at all. Um, I don't they're remember nine, the last time they're I've nine been points behind by Chelsea. They're nine points behind Chelsea, who are in fourth, and they're down in ninth. Now officially one point behind Arsenal in eighth. Congratulations, Xavier. You can uh, start chilling the champagne for Saint Tottenham. Everything, uh, everything is right in the world again. Yeah, everything's right. <laughs> Balance has been restored to the universe. Chelsea right. above Arsenal. Arsenal, Arsenal above Tottenham. Balance has been restored. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, the, actually, I wanted to say about Sheffield for that game. I, I agree with you. It's not Sheffield's back, but they definitely got back to like the basics of their system where, like you said, not only are they trying to create those, uh, those byline cutbacks, that's like, that's part of their bread and butter. The other part is the crosses that they play from just on the corner of the 18 yard box. They try to fizz those balls to the near post. And then if they can get a knockdown from that, that ends up falling to one of their midfielders arriving late in the box, then they can create goal-scoring opportunities off that. And they just kind of got back to that bread and butter and ended up scoring pretty much three goals. All three goals were off of the byline cutbacks. So that's a big part of uh, unveiling Tottenham's terrible defensive uh, form at the moment. You know, Dyer was... Yeah, they've conceded 44 goals this year, which is um, the second most in the uh, top 10 this year. Chelsea also has conceded 44. And uh, I think it just shows that their defenders, and this is, but to be fair to Chelsea, you guys have also scored 57 um, while they've only scored 51. And and they've had, know, they've it, had injuries to Kane and, and Son yeah, that you and know, make the balance exactly. hard. That's fair, but I think I'll, in a I'll give you that team, Tottenham fans. In a Mourinho team to, to be conceding as many goals as they have, um, it's a little bit scary, I think, and I'm guessing that Mourinho is going to be doing a big rebuild um, this summer and getting rid of some of his defenders. It seems like there's a lot of players that don't want to be there. Rumors of Indombele not wanting to play for Mourinho, and he looked terrible coming on. Um, it doesn't really look like he has many options off the bench, and you know he was he's kind of been playing these four attacking players of Burwine, Mora, um, Son, and Kane. And I don't know where Sessegnon has been this season, so I, I I don't know where their attacking options off the bench have been. So oh, they, I think Lamella was even playing too. So they, uh, it, it's been relative to other clubs though. Their January signings they had more signings than most other yeah, it was teams. Decent. They had Bergwijn Ber- and good, Jetson yeah. Fernandez, which are you know two significant signings. Bergwijn's been good. He scored against Manchester City and Manchester United. Uh, he's been pretty a pretty good big game player for them, but had a couple of injuries as well. So, you know, it, all signs point to Mourinho kind of getting his way in terms of signings, but they need a lot of them. And I don't know how many of them they're going to be able to get that make significant improvements this summer. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the final really big result of the midweek fixtures was uh, Manchester City hosting Liverpool. They, of course, gave Liverpool their guard of honor after uh, they locked up the Premier League title like last ha- week. Half of the players walked away before the yeah. before the Liverpool players had finished walking out. They were just there like, was not much shit. there was not much honor in that guard of honor. No. 
it was pretty much like, all right, let's get this over with and let's right. kick your ass, which uh, Manchester City which did 4-0. I, I was kind of half watching this it. game. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of half watching it. Once City went up three nil in the first half, I was just kind of thinking, "All right, well, you know, Liverpool have obviously been uh, not been focused on preparing for this game." It. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, City yeah. had been stewing over that last result. We could all kind of see it coming. No, really, uh, no harm, no foul to Liverpool. You know, still enjoy, only the second loss win. of the season. We're not going to shit on you guys right now. You guys, honestly, you guys one of the biggest great. takeaways from that game is that, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Liverpool fans? Why are you letting off fireworks outside of the Etihad? You drove right. thirty minutes over to Manchester just to walk around their stadium during the game and let off fireworks. Like, go home and watch the game. Let, like, let me I tell you, you once lost. it was uh, once it was two nil, you, you didn't hear any more fireworks. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. have the sound on the whole time, but I heard it enough yeah, they, uh, in the first half. They, they stopped doing that once uh, City City kicked their butt. So, uh, I think the one takeaway from this is Kevin De Bruyne good. Yes, I think he's going to be Player of the Year this is year. Is Kevin That's De Bruyne my... good? <laughs> is he? <laughs> is is Kevin De Bruyne good? Uh, listen, it's the question we'll forever ask. But you know, I think he probably finally the, proved he it's is the first good. time I've seen Robertson make like <laughs> three mistakes that have led to goals, and he he definitely was Robertson, just getting hammered this last. When week. was the last time a Scotsman won the Premier League title? I I would struggle to think of the answer for that actually, <laughs> but uh, I I can promise you that the last time a Scotsman won the Premier League Darren title, Darren Fletcher. Darren Fletcher would probably be it. That's that's a yeah, that's a that very it? good off the cuff answer. And the next time a, prem, a Scotsman wins the Premier League title is going to be Billy Gilmore. <laughs> all right, all right, enough of indulging myself. All right, yeah, City got the 4 0 win. Uh, it was a good win for them. De Bruyne played well. Sterling finally got his goal against his former club in a relatively meaningless game. And uh, let's uh, march on to a very Super Saturday. I know they nickname Premier League weekend Super Sunday or Super Saturday or whatever, but I seriously think for the first time this season, we have a proper Super Saturday because. There's a relegation game going on like 7.30 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning. I'm pretty sure. I think it's like Norwich and Brighton. So that's a big game for Brighton to try to keep pace and uh, avoid relegation. Right after that, 10 a.m., Leicester City, like we mentioned earlier, are going to be hosting Crystal Palace. Manchester United are going to be hosting Bournemouth, which is, you know, we can kind of chalk that off as a win for United. Um, But this Leicester game against Crystal Palace... Would you take a draw at this point if you're Leicester? You know, they they, they drew that Watford game to start coming back from the restart. They, I know there's teams hot in their tail right now, but do you just need to right the ship and just make sure you don't lose? Or is that not enough? You need a win. No, no. They need a win. And, uh, I mean, I already talked about it a good amount um, when we were talking about the Everton game. I just think they got to come out here and get a, get a good 3-1 result here at home or 3-0 and, and calm their fans down 2-0, whatever. They, they need to get a two-goal win. And um, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to they're gonna come back to form here. And I think, um, you know, with a win here, we'll, we'll still be talking about them getting Champions League next year. And I think it's going to be the games after this. They have, they have Arsenal. I think they also play Wolves and they play... Sheffield or something like that. They've they've got they've got hard fixtures left to, to this end of the season. They have so. United on the last day of the season. Wow. So yeah. So they've got a lot of hard games. So I think this is the one game where they really got to get those three points because if not, um, I think they're going to be in trouble. I, I I really do think they're going to be in trouble. I will say about Palace since the restart, there have been a couple of mid-table teams that have had really uh, up and down performances. They've been kind of like volatile. Like Crystal Palace have some good wins here and there they have a bad loss like a four or five nil whatever it was to liverpool 
Um, and then they turn around and, and, and play okay the next week. They, so you don't really know what you're getting from them, similar to Southampton, who have had up-and-down up performances, especially against teams of their own level, um, and, and Newcastle, who have had up-and-down performances as well. You know, these teams don't have much to play for. They're not getting relegated. They're not really pushing for European places. But at the same time, they've been able to get up for certain fixtures. So that that's what I would say gives Palace like a decent chance. They may just decide to show up, which I know seems kind of... Uh, simple, but it's really is true at this point of the season for some teams. Um, So uh, let's gloss over that United game, I guess, uh, 10 a.m. against Bournemouth. I I don't, I don't, we don't have to talk much. United are going to win. United are, how much do United win by? No, I'm kidding. Let's, let's move on to Wolves Arsenal. Move on to Wolves Arsenal because there's, uh, that's going to be the 12.30 p.m. game on Saturday. It's not going to be the last game. Usually 12.30 p.m. is the last game of the day, but Wolves will host Arsenal. Wolves are on a nice little, Three game winning streak since they've been back. Three one yeah, no wins in a row. Five out of their last six, and they're unbeaten in seven or eight. It's yep. a little scary. It's a little scary. Doherty, I'm pretty sure they've lost eight games. Yeah, they haven't lost in the last eight games. They've kept six clean sheets or five clean sheets in those. So it's. Uh, it's a I was more scary. looking at, at the game since the restart. They've had just three easy games against the likes of like Bournemouth, Villa, and. Um, I can't or I can't remember the third one, but they've had three relatively easy Brighton. games. They, they drew Brighton. Brighton. They drew Brighton and then they beat Bournemouth and Villa. So, uh, oh, and they beat yeah yeah they beat Aston Villa like two nil or two one or something. Um, so they, they've had good performances since they've uh, come back from and uh, during the restart. And I just think they're perfectly poised to just do their regular regular old game plan of sit back, let you guys have the ball. You know, some of your players are going to get a bit overconfident, Xhaka and Ceballos, and all of a sudden you're not going to track a runner. And I think they're honestly going to beat you guys like 2-0 or 3-1. So I think the biggest difference between this game and every other time we've played Wolves is we've been playing in a 3-4-3 these last three games that we've won, and we've looked good in it. And better than we have for the other parts of the season. I mean, I know that we had two losses, one to Brighton and one to Manchester City, but before that, we were actually unbeaten in 2020. We went unbeaten January, February, and March, um, which for a team that had the worst start that Arsenal had had in 20-something years, I'm not going to call it very impressive, but I think it was a little bit impressive. And I think Arteta has the players buying into um, what he wants. He has them positioning themselves better and better. I've never seen Mustafi play. If actually, the first ten games he played for Arsenal under Wenger were were quite good. I remember me and you both thinking he was a good player. He's returned to that form. Um, he's been pinging balls left and right to the to the wing backs, and he hasn't. But who really have you guys done, been playing against? No, I know, but he hasn't. He hasn't really been um, done very much wrong under Arteta, and I would say David Luiz has been definitely improved under Arteta. Um, he was doing horrible things under Emery, and I know he had that really one bad game against City, but he wasn't even meant to play and in that against game. Chelsea. He was on the bench. Yeah, um, but he, was, he wasn't he was even meant to play in that game. He was on the bench, and he had to come on because of injury. And I don't know. I'm uh, 
quietly optimistic for this game. I think if we can beat Wolves in this game away, which would be huge, I think them not having a crowd, like Molyneux, I think a really hard place to go when they do have a crowd. Um, I think that's going to benefit Arsenal. I think it's, our players are going to be calm um, and they're going to be able to hear our coaches' instructions. And I don't know. I think it's going to be different to every other Wolves game we've played. And I know that you think they're going to just crush us, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm quietly optimistic. Quietly optimistic. I think if we win this game, we could d- definitely beat Leicester the next week and we'd be we'd be in it for that top six um, and really outside shots for top four. But top five really is because I'm pretty sure City aren't going to be in the Champions League next year. So I think even fifth place might be enough. So, yeah, the Leicester game looks less intimidating now than it did before the restart, for sure. Um, but this Wolves game, I think you guys would do really well to get a draw, to be honest. Listen, they're due a loss, okay? They've been they've been winning too much. They're not that good. They're due a loss. Did your did your psychic tell you this? Yes. Yeah, yes. Like, well, they've been winning too much. It's time Javier for them to lose. Javier Delusion God has returned. Uh, Listen. Three, uh, three wins in a row would do, Javier, does that to me. The midfield, no. too. Is it just going to be a 3-4-3 three, three with a midfield yeah, two of Ceballos yes. and Xhaka? I believe so. I believe so. I, I don't see a reality where that ends up going well when on the other side of that midfield is going to be Joao Moutinho, Leander Dendonker, and Ruben Neves. Like, Moutinho's like 40 years old. Uh, like I think Dendonker's just a big oaf. Have and, you watched uh, Moutinho? Moutinho literally no, plays know, like he's 28. He does not look know, old at crazy. all. He's 33 years old and he I don't has know, this... Alex. I, I, I just, he's I just crazy. have a, a quietly optimistic feeling Listen, for this, okay? I just, just want to throw it out there. I want to throw it out there. Wolves are going to win 3-1. You can shit on me next week. You can shit on me next week. And Just Wolves midfield, have... the Dendonker, Neves, Moutinho midfield is as good as Leicester's midfield at full strength of Madison, Tielemans, and Ndidi. You know, Moutinho will have to be moved on eventually because he's relatively old. But, you know, at the t- at the moment, they're a vastly better midfield than yours. And they're going to win this game this weekend. Um, but if you guys get a draw, that will probably suit Chelsea more. So please, please go ahead and get a positive result. Get that draw, you know, slow Wolves down so Chelsea can maintain top four. Because uh, we're going to be playing after you guys on Saturday, 3 p.m. Very rare for the Premier League to have a Saturday 3 p.m. Uh, game here in the States, uh, 8 p.m. over in England. Chelsea hosting Watford. Watford are, of course, uh, still just above Come the relegation on, zone. Fed. They're, Come on, uh, Watford. they're not playing they're well. They're another poor team, Alex. You got to give them another win. You got to give them a win. They're struggling. They're in the relegation. They're you know in relegation. So you're going to give them a win because you guys are you guys. No, Javier, take we, just the rich we just lost. We just lost to West Ham. No, it's no, not but you Christmas. need to help the poor, Alex. It's not it's, Christmas. We're not giving well, away gifts. Uh, no, no, but it's year. COVID. It's a COVID summer, and you guys feel bad for the. We wa- supported the NHS enough, Javier. Come on, we let them use the hotel <laughs> next to Stamford Bridge for uh, to keep uh, like <laughs> to keep workers in. Uh, this Come game, on, Troy like, Dini, he, like, he I was know scared to complain. I know it's this game. easy. Okay, I know it's easy to turn around and be like. Okay, all of a sudden, based off of the similar matchup and how it went against West Ham, we should be worried. But I think t- I, I seriously think Frank is smart enough to make the tactical adjustments Honestly, necessary think, to win this game. I think Watford game. are worse than West Ham, um, and they. I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think at home, in reaction to that terrible of a result. Uh, and, and that back and forth of a game where we had the lead, then we went behind, we equalized, looked like we were going to try and win it, and then end up losing. That's going to rustle up a lot of emotions in the players to react a certain way. And like I said, Christian Pulisic, Captain America, on 4th of July. Oh, say you can know what, you uh, see Watford's last win by was, the Alex? Alex, do you know what Watford's what? last win what? was? 
Do you know what Watford's no, uh, last win was? Liverpool? Yes, they beat Liverpool 3-0, and they, uh, also their last point they got was against Leicester. So they seem to show up against the big teams. They've to lost be fair, to I feel very Crystal nervous. Palace, Southampton, <laughs> f- and Burnley. I feel so, very nervous again, about Ismail Assar versus Marcus Alonso. <laughs> Yep, they, they, I am they quite take concerned. from the rich and uh, they, they give to the poor. So it seems to be two teams that like to do that. And, you know, just, just give them their points. They need it, Alex. Okay, we, we, we want Villa, Bournemouth, and Norwich to get relegated. We want those watch shits in the uh, Premier League next year. And, you know, it's uh, I think they can I think they can get a result here. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I could see a draw. I could see a, like a two. A draw would be a bad result for Chelsea and a very good result for Watford. I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to make some adjustments in terms of Shiru uh, probably coming in for Tammy, and uh, I think now is the time to bring Jorginho back into the fold. And uh, so let's just briefly talk about this. Um, there's pretty much five teams involved in relegation: Brighton on 33 points, West Ham on 30 points in 16th place. Uh, Watford, who are playing Chelsea, are in 17th place, one point above the drop with 28 points. And then um, Aston Villa and Bournemouth are both on 27 points in 18th and 19th. I think we can count Norwich pretty much relegated at this point. Um, For sure. But I, I, I think that the desperation right now is going to be very evident in this team. And I don't know. I, I have a, I have a sneaky feeling that they might get a draw here. They've, they've seemed to show up against the big teams and um, have a good called concrete game plan to defend and and they haven't been taking this restart seriously though (laughs) a bunch of their players got suspended going into what was the last game that they lost they uh they lost a game against southampton yeah when they lost that game chalaba i think uh dini a bunch of their players uh maybe hughes they were suspended for the game because they were over at a friend's place with like a like 50 people at like a house party and it's obviously strictly against the uh, the lockdown rules, especially for the Premier League. So those players got suspended for a game and then were, I guess, back afterwards. So, I, I mean, this is these are the things that I'm holding on to that Chelsea are just going to end up. I, I don't think it's going to be a convincing victory, yeah, they, but I think we'll end up winning like 2-1. They shots on target, but... I, I think we end up winning 2-1. Maybe 2-0 yeah. if we play well, but, you know, like our defense has been inconsistent enough that, you know, Watford could score a goal or two, and we just Listen, need to be Danny Welbeck's going to come on. He's going to score a goal. He's cool. due. Pulisic is going to score a hat-trick. Danny Welbeck's oh, due. Say, He's coming for you. you. Danny oh, say, boy. You oh, Danny boy. <laughs> He's got a 12 appearances, right. zero goals this year. Let's move on and wrap up. Those a couple games on Sunday, uh, most notably Liverpool hosting Villa. That's a big game for Villa just because they are actually in that relegation zone. And uh, this game doesn't mean too much to Liverpool. So, uh, so we you're still... going to triple captain one of the Villa players? No, I don't know if I would do anything uh, like that in terms of fantasy no? Premier League. Okay. Uh, probably just captain Mohamed Salah at home. You right. know, He's probably Maybe. a little pissed off about that loss to City and wants to make up for it and win Golden Boot. So uh, that's on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Uh, and then a little bit later on Sunday afternoon, Southampton will host Manchester City at 2 p.m. I mean, I'll, I'll probably check in on these games to see if they end up being close, but I'm not going to be uh, waiting with bated breath to watch these games right from the beginning. If it's close in the second half, I'll tune in, but I, I otherwise not too much. Tottenham and Everton both, I guess, have outside well, shots. I was going to say, I don't know. Spots, but Are we going to be recording on Sunday? Do we need? Should we talk about Tottenham Everton right now or should we uh, wait till Sunday evening? I guess probably just talk about it right now. Since we can talk about it now. I don't really want to talk about you know shit in the... 
Are Everton just like mid table? Are they just like condensed yeah, yeah, they're on, to mid table? I think they're forty five points. Uh, I think they're right just below Burnley. Below Burnley. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this, um, is, this is this is a big mid table game. You know, maybe yeah. one of these teams the, can push themselves up into the. I mean, the a win Europa would push them up into seventh. So it, again, this is not. These both of these teams are outside slots for Europa still, like Arsenal, um, like Sheffield, and I think if Arsenal and Wolves draw. Then one of these teams get a win. Then I think they can they can see themselves. So I could see them catching up to Wolves. Um, same thing with Man United. If Man United, I mean, I don't think they're going to draw or lose to Bournemouth. But listen, you never know. That could be something crazy where Bournemouth, they're desperate. Eddie Howe comes up with a game that. plan, and, <laughs> and they somehow fucking beat that. Man United. I don't know. That'd be fucking crazy. But it's the type of thing that Everton and Tottenham fans are really going to be hoping for. And. Um, I think it's going to be... Listen, I think this game's going to be a snoozer. I could see this being like a 0-0. Everton-Tottenham? Uh, yes. Maybe, but I mean... Just, like, neither of them want to lose. Both want to win. But based like, off form, <laughs> Everton are probably thinking we should win this game. We should go in and we should probably. spank them. Richarlison's playing well. Sigurdsson's playing pretty well. They've got this Anthony Gordon kid playing on the left wing of their 4-4-2 that's made his first couple of starts in his, in his career and is playing well. He set up Richarlison for his goal against Leicester. So... You know, Everton have like something going for them, but you know, it's you just Danny don't know. Danny Ings has seventeen goals this season. Danny Ings, Where he would have, he would have been starting for from? England at the Euros this summer with Kane injured. He would have been starting him or Tammy. But where did that come from? Danny Ings has always been a good player. That's why he got that move to Liverpool. He was good at Burnley yeah. that, that that year or two that he was banging in the goals for them. Um, but yeah, he's he's playing well this year for Southampton. But we, we should Arsenal sign him as an Aubameyang replacement? No, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm sorry. Good luck. Good luck to you guys this weekend. You're really going to need it against Wolves. Obama is going to score. I hope you guys get that. Great. Okay, you'll draw two two. I would take that. So is Eddie and Ketia. Obama and Ketia Pepe three two. We got a great weekend of games coming up as we just discussed. Keep an eye out for another pod, hopefully uh, Sunday evening, going into Monday morning, looking ahead to likely next week's midweek games, and. Thank you, Javier. You can follow us on social media at GhostGoalPod, at ASMoss92 for my uh, Instagram and Twitter, at JavierRev9 for Javier's no, you know Instagram. What? Thank you, Alex. You're always uh, you're always editing these pods. You don't get enough thanks. So I enjoy thank it. you, Alex. I enjoy it. Um, and of course, uh, Andrew's socials. Fuck the Chelsea! <laughs> at Andrew Passaro. And uh, until next time. Bye.